Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. I really felt um, a, a couple of things. I didn't kind of want to go the direction I've gone because it's a, it's a little bit uh, vulnerable. But I'm going to go there because Pastor Ashley, if you've been listening and in hearing him in the mornings and a couple of our Sunday nights, he's been speaking on creating, a, building a community of miracles. And there's something being incredibly anointed on those messages and just even today hearing the testimonies. I mean, I think it was divine that the government says you can't sing today because it allowed us to push in and say, well, what can we bring? How can we, how can we lift faith in the service when we can't open our mouth and sing? But to hear people declare God's goodness and the miracles that are happening... And I sat this morning at our morning tea, we had child dedications, and I sat with a family this morning and for about 15 minutes heard not just the miracle of one little thing that happened with their son who was born seven weeks premature, but heard a whole, like the whole journey of from 16 weeks finding out that she was probably going to lose her child to the miraculous ending of a baby born seven weeks pregnant, absolutely fine, and a whole heap of things that were going wrong with her actually turned around and she was completely healed and none of the things the doctors pre predicted happened. I'm just like, God is doing something incredible. And I wanna encourage you to come with an expectancy tonight. And the reason I wanna share what I wanna share tonight is because I really felt burdened that there are many of us that have been believing for things, not just for a moment, but for a long time. And I said to the Paradise staff on Friday, just after we'd prayed and we were talking about this weekend, I said this, it wears you down when you're believing for something for a long time and you're not seeing the hand of God lean towards you. Yet there's something incredibly freeing to know God's Word and to know His strength and to have His courage when you're walking through those moments. And so I wanna share a little bit of myself and my husband's journey and many of you have heard little bits of our of our story we have two beautiful children we have a 15 year old daughter and a 7 year old son who are incredible gifts from God and I say that because every child is a gift from God but our children came with a massive fight and it wasn't a fight that I signed up for it wasn't a fight that I ever imagined that I would have to have but I had to fight we had to fight to have our children. And so I wanna take you on a journey tonight, if that's okay, because I believe that you, you don't need to be sitting here going, well, I'm not believing for kids right now. You might be believing for finances. You might be believing for a partner. You might be believing for relationships that have just not okay in your, in, in your family, in your workplace. You might be believing for loved ones who haven't yet made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. You might have been holding on to something for a long time and you've just put that thing down and you've forgotten about it. I wanna stir your faith tonight to believe that you can pick back up that thing you're believing for and you can hold on to the Word of God. You can hold on to His promises because our God is a faithful God. So don't switch off just because I'm talking about falling pregnant. Because what I'm talking about is the miracle working power of a God who loves us, who sent His only Son to die for us so that we could have a hope and a future in Him. So whatever you're believing for, you need to know tonight that God's on your side, 
The same God who performed miracles way back here in the Bible is able to do today what He did back then. The same God that came through from these young ones that you heard stand on this platform and testify of jobs and miraculous things, that same God can do it for you. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 8 and 9 says this, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. Is that up on the screens? Okay. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. But we are not destroyed. Ever felt pressed? Ever felt crushed? Ever felt confused? Ever felt knocked down? Ever felt backed into a corner, afflicted, driven to despair, forsaken, destroyed, betrayed, let down? Maybe you're in this place tonight and you feel like that right now. Maybe there are circumstances in your life that are making those words, those phrases feel all too familiar right now. And perhaps you're in circumstances that have been thrust upon you and you wonder, what did you do to deserve it? Let me tell you, you've done nothing probably to deserve it. But maybe you're here and it's a result of choices you made. And so some think choices you've made in your past or in even in your present have caused some things to not be so great in your world. Well, I wanna remind you that we have a God who can set us free from our past, who can set us free from choices that we made that perhaps weren't in our best interest and we can walk into the future that God has for us. And let me assure you that the future God has for you is filled with hope, not despair. Your future, if you'll put your hand in God's hand, is filled with the promises of God. And even though you might have moments where you feel those words, you feel those emotions crushed, knocked down, betrayed, confused, conflicted, you have a God who will walk with you, who will hold your hand, who will lift your head and who will walk you through to greener pastures. You see, Paul, the author of Corinthians from the, the verse that I just read, knew what it was to experience all of these things and more. Let me read you through some of the things he experienced in his life. He was whipped, he was beaten with rods, he was pummeled with stones, he was shipwrecked, he found himself adrift at sea, he was in danger from robbers, in dangers from his own people, from Gentiles, from false brothers. He was a danger in the city, he was a danger when he was in the wilderness, he was in danger when he was at sea. He faced toil, he faced hardships, he had sleepless nights, he knew what it was to be hungry and thirsty, he knew what it was to feel cold and exposed. Yet, he never gave he never gave up. And I don't know what you're facing, but I know, like I said, that God's faithful and He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above, far more than we could ever hope or dream or imagine. Far more. Whatever you're believing for right now is probably not enough because God is able to do way beyond what you could even imagine. God wants to blow your mind with His provision. God wants to blow your mind with the things He can do. When I sat with this family this morning and listened to their story, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, she just one thing, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. And she said, I'm only telling you half the detail, Pastor Alice. I'm like, well, half the detail is blowing my mind at what God's done for you. Because our God is a God of abundance. 
Verse 1, let me read it to you again. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. Pressed means this, to apply weight or force or to be squeezed. Ever felt squeezed by life? Ever felt pressed? Ever felt like the weight of the world is upon your shoulders? I know that feeling well. We walked a journey for a, a number of years, like a lot of years, where everybody around us fell pregnant. Family fell pregnant. I remember distinctively the day my sister-in-law, Rob's sister, rang me and told me she was pregnant. And she knew our journey. I was visiting a family at church and I walked out of the backyard to take a phone call from my sister-in-law. And with nervousness in her voice, because she knew our story, she said to me, Alice, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, that's awesome. And inside I'm like, I don't get it. I love you, God. I'm serving you. I'm a kid's pastor. I'm doing everything. I'm fasting, I'm praying, I'm believing. And I don't understand. And maybe that's how you feel right now. You're doing everything. You're fasting, you're praying. You're standing on his word. Well, I just wanna encourage you today, keep doing what you know to do. Keep doing what you know to do. Because one of the scriptures that held me was Galatians 6 verse 9. Don't grow weary. Don't grow weary in doing good. For in due season, if you don't give up, you will reap a harvest. In due season. And that's tough to stomach. Because my due season is not necessarily God's due season. And his timing is not necessarily how I want things to be. And so I took this phone call and it sucked, but I celebrated. But you know, our journey was not at all what we expected. You get married, you have your five, 10 year plan and I'm a planner and so I had what I thought it was gonna look like and it didn't look like anything like that. And I remember having to go to doctors and having to go to appointments and having to walk out of appointments with news that I didn't wanna hear and having to have, you know, that sort of stuff slammed in my face all the time. And I walked out of a, preg uh, sorry, a appointment with a specialist. And the letter that they handed me was a letter after we'd been through a whole heap of testing. The letter that they handed me in black and white said, Alice McInnes, infertile. And, and I remember, going into my car with that letter and, and reading it again and reading it again and then I got mad and I took the letter and I screwed it up and I threw it on the floor of the passenger seat and I cried and cried and cried and cried probably a little bit more and then drove and I remember just tucking that letter away and not wanting to look at it ever again because when you're faced with the truth or the facts, I should say, not the truth, the facts in black and white, it's pretty hard to stomach. And when I saw it in black and white, it actually appealed so real to me that I felt the pressed, I felt the crushed, I felt the broken, I felt the despair, I felt the confusion that 2 Corinthians talks about. I felt pushed down and I didn't know how I was gonna get back up. Let me read to you. Shana will need a tissue, Josh. Let me read to you. Um, I was a massive journal writer. 
And um, I showed, I pulled this out yesterday and I showed it to my 15 year old daughter. And I said, come and read this. And she just looked and I said, this is your story. And one day I'll give you this. This is your story. And she's sitting over there hearing it. But listen to my journey. Listen to this day. Today was obviously the day, everything caught up. This is just my, oh, just go with me, right? This is just my, I'm not gonna edit anything out, except if there's bad words, but there are no bad words. <laughs> I woke up with a literal pain within me, in my heart, in my stomach, the pain of disappointment, the pain of fear, the pain of anger and frustration. Why? Why me? Ever asked that? Why me? I asked that a lot, but then I said, but God, I would not ask this to be on anybody else. Why this journey? And I'll probably not be able to read all this. And at my weakest, I don't want any of it. And I couldn't care less about anybody else because people in my life kept telling me, this isn't about you, Alice. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's not about me. I'm trying to have a baby. Of course it's about me. This is gonna set other people free. This is gonna be a great testimony of God's goodness. But I was in the midst of not being able to fall free. I'm like, don't tell me it's not about me. This is all about me. I had one friend who would remind me of that all the time. I'd say, shut up. I couldn't care less. I said, it hurts. Today, I didn't even wanna wake up and face the world or my responsibilities. See, I was a pastor at a church and I had to pretend like everything was okay. And I had to hug babies and talk to kids. Well, I didn't have to, but that's what I loved to do, right? Today was like dragging my body around, doing all I could do to what I need, of what I needed to be done. And I hate that. That's not how I want to live my life because I'm a full of life person. Nothing I did today could steal the pain on the inside other than sleeping. To receive love was even too much. My heart was so overwhelmed and it was enough for me to do all I could do to control the pain that I felt. There has never been a time in my life that I felt so overwhelmed in my emotions. What do you do when you want something so much, I said here, so greatly and yet it's not happening and there is nothing you can do. And yet the desire only becomes stronger and more intense. God, I pray that you hold me safely in your arms and I'll, I will do all I can do to wait and rest in you. I'll do all I can do to wait and rest in you. And this was written two and a half years before we have a baby girl. I'll do, and this is written probably four years, five, six years after we've been trying to have a baby girl. And so, despite what I faced, despite the overwhelmingness of the situation, and you can hear it there in my words, what I did know is that I could wait and rest in God. He was my anchor. He was my security. He was the very thing that I could hold on to. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7 says, we know we have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. See, I was the clay jar, ready to crack, ready to break at any turn. One more appointment with a doctor could have easily tipped me over. But what I knew was, what this verse says so clearly, 
is that this clay jar contained the great treasure of the Word of God because in that scripture, this great treasure actually talks about the Word of God. The Word of God is the treasure. And when this clay jar, despite how broken, despite how fragile, despite how one knock was gonna crack me a little bit, the Word of God, the treasure on the inside of me held me together. It held me together. And maybe you're sitting here tonight and you're like, you think, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not just cracking, I'm broken. Well, I wanna encourage you that God is the great potter and He is able to mould you and shape you and put you back together. But what you gotta do is allow the treasure of the Word of God to be on the inside of you. This treasure here is the Word of God. And there was a moment in 2004 our girl was born in 2006, where I felt, I felt this urgency to fast. I needed to get the Word of God on the inside of me. I needed to get the promises of God on the inside of me. I needed to still the voice of the doctor that says, you can't have a child. You are infertile. You have a very, very, very minimal chance of ever conceiving your own child were the words that were spoken over us. In a Sydney clinic, by a beautiful doctor who just tells you the facts and then says, see you next week, see ya. And you walk out to a waiting room of people that you know are going through the same thing and I used to sit there thinking, how do they do it other than with God? Because I've got the promises, the Word of God on the inside of me and I woke up this day and I felt completely compelled to fast and get the Word of God strong on the inside of me and on day two of my fast, it's here in my journal. Listen to the scripture that I opened up to. Without searching the index at the back for pregnancy statements, I literally just said, God, I'm gonna open the Word of God today and I'm gonna just read my devotions as I've been doing. Luke 1 verse 42 says this, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Oh, I thought it was good. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. See, my doctor had said, you won't conceive your own child. You might conceive, but not your own child. And I'm like, I want my child. Luke 1 verse 45, I read on. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be fulfillment of those things which were told to her from the Lord. And maybe if I could have the keyboard come and join me. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told to her from the Lord. And then the week after that, two ladies from the church we used to go to in Sydney came up to me. One late, no one knew our situation. We weren't standing on a platform. If you heard Pastor Ashley here this morning, we were in, he's like, you don't, you don't go to an altar, a prayer meeting and say, I need 35,000. We were literally holding this on the inside. We told the few people that needed to know. Two ladies from a church, one comes to me and says, Alice, I've got a scripture. It's Deuteronomy 28 verse 11. Go home and look it up. I went home and looked it up. It says this, God will lavish you with good things, children from your womb. Another lady comes up to me one week after the, our first doctor's appointment where my letter says infertile. She says, I have one word for you. I had a dream, one word spoken three times. The word is fertility, fertility, fertility. And I'm like. But yet two years. But when God's real to you, despite what you face, despite what you walk through, you can have confidence 
He'd spoken to me. He'd told me. He'd promised me. So it didn't matter what a letter screwed up on the floor of my car said, my daywoo, my silver daywoo that I had. It didn't matter what that letter said because my God told me the fruit of your womb is blessed and He confirmed it over and over and over again. See, while I was a fragile cracking clay pot, the treasure that I'd sought in the secret dark places with tears streaming down my face, I used to sit at our kitchen table with a coffee and the Word of God and a pen. I'm cracking all around. Yet the treasure of the Word of God on the inside of me is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. We're pressed. We're at wit's end and the team can come. We're persecuted, we're knocked down, but the power of God reverses all that. The power of God says you are not hemmed in, you are not at hope's end, you are never abandoned, you are never knocked down. I have you and I'm holding you in the palm of my hand and that thing that you're believing for, I'm gonna do it for you. God is a God of the miraculous. He is able to do. But the truth is this, it takes weakness to have strength. And it takes strength to stand before God or to kneel before God or do whatever you need to do and say, God, I'm giving this to you. I'm at my wit's end. In the natural, I feel like I'm cracking. I feel like I am hemmed in. I feel like I am at wit's end. I feel like I am being knocked down. But I'm gonna give you this and I'm gonna trust you no matter what and I'm gonna stand on your word and I'm gonna believe for the impossible. And even when I can't see it, I'm gonna keep believing for it. And even when I can't feel it, I'm gonna keep believing for it. And even when I don't understand, I'm gonna keep trusting you because the Word of God is strong on the inside of us. See, the truth is we all want the miraculous. We all want the power of God, but we also want an untroubled life, a peaceful life, a calm life and calm circumstances. Well, you don't need the miraculous. You don't need the power of God. See, the person who's at their wit's end, the person who's got nothing left, needs the power of God. We all want the testimony. But like was said this morning, first the test, then the testimony. We're gonna take communion in a moment. You know, what makes the difference to not being defeated and knocked down? Well, let me read to you 2 Corinthians 4, verse 10. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus Christ, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Do you know the life of Jesus? The power we receive from the life of Jesus and His resurrection always rests upon His death. Without His death, we don't have that resurrection power. And so we can come in a moment and take communion and be vulnerable with a God who's done everything to set us up for the miraculous, who sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross that we could be forgiven of our sin so that we could have that hope and that future that I've been talking about. 
And if that's all He does for us, that's enough. But He also wants to show off His glory and His power so that others may see and others may know Him. You see, I recognise now when my friend all those years ago, 20 years ago, kept telling me, it's not about you, Alice. I recognise now that it was about the power of God working in me so that His Name could be lifted up. I recognise that so real now. God working on the inside of me, God taking me from brokenness to wholeness, God using a situation in my life was for His glory, was for His glory. And so when you hear me speak about my children and I I will unashamedly every time tell you they are a miracle because they are. Now every child is. But the fight we went through was a different fight than a lot of people face. But I'm also very well aware that there would be women sitting in this room tonight and you're going through the fight. Well, I would encourage you, stand on the promises of God, stand on the Word of God because He is a faithful God. For while we live, we are always being given up to death for Jesus' sake, so that in order that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Do you know the cross was a place of physical weakness? It was a place of rejection for Jesus. It's a place where He went so that we could have eternal life. It's a place that He went so we could know the fulfilment of His promises in each one of our lives. It's a place that He went so that we could be in relationship with Him. It was a place of obscurity. It was a place where Jesus was willing to lose everything He had built and trust God to bring it all back and to make it significant. And as we take communion today, I want us to be reminded that His resurrection power restores His resurrection power revitalizes. His resurrection power renews. And His resurrection power can remind us of His promises. And you need to know tonight that that same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that is available for you today. But I wanna ask you as we take communion, the team's gonna sing over us and then I'm gonna come back and share a couple more things with you. But I wanna ask you tonight as you take communion, this question. Are you willing to be strong enough to hand God that which you are believing for and trust Him no matter what, without exception, whether you see the finished work or not? Are you actually able to do that? Because I believe there is a strength in handing God that very thing that you're believing for, relinquishing control and saying, God, I trust you. I trust you no matter what trust you no matter what. You know, in the midst of my brokenness, feeling like I couldn't do it anymore, I had that constant reminder in my spirit of God's Word, of God's promises, and that deep conviction because I've been a person who has diligently placed myself in God's hands. I've been a person who's diligently sown the Word of God into my life in good times and in bad times. And so I had a deep conviction that God loves me, But greater than that, that God is good and He only does good. So I could trust Him with this very thing that Rob and I were wrestling with. 
I could trust Him that He knew the outcome, that He knew the desires of our heart and that He would work on our behalf. But I also had a deep conviction that God, You see the end. And so I'll trust You no matter what. I'll trust You no matter what. The truth is, there had to come a time before we received our miracle where we actually settled it in our heart that we tried to fight this battle in our own strength. We'd been to the doctors. We started the journey of IVF, but we had to settle in our heart that God, we just trust You. And we're gonna ask You to move on our behalf. You know, and so we decided to do IVF and we went down the track of IVF and without going into the details of all of that, we did all the necessary drugs and the components of the first cycle that we were on and we got to the end of the 40 days of that cycle and we're excited to be thinking about what the future could hold and we received a phone call that wasn't the phone call we thought we'd get. We basically received a phone call from our doctor who said to us, we can't proceed with this cycle. We've done all the tests, you've done all the drugs. Basically, your body hasn't reacted the way we needed it to react. And so it's pointless us doing an egg take because there are no eggs to take. And so I remember being at work and I said to the doctor, so where to from here? And he said, well, he said, you can start again in another month and we can try this all over again. And I said, is there nothing we can do? And he said, well, you can, you can do this lesser cycle, but Alice, you will not fall pregnant. Like you won't fall pregnant. And I'm like, okay. And I said, well, is there any point us doing it? He's like, not really. The only point of you doing this cycle, this procedure would be that your body might get a sense of what it's supposed to do. I'm like, all right. He said, and you've got till this time tonight to make the decision because if you make the decision to go ahead, we need you to have this drug, this drug. Like it's a, it's a whirlwind of emotion and it's a whirlwind of instruction. And so we had connect group that night and we had to make a decision before 10 p.m. that night because I had to take a certain drug by 10 p.m. that night if we were gonna continue with the cycle. And so we've got connect group and we've got a connect group that never wants to go home. Uh, it's 10 to 10. And I haven't even had a chance to talk to Rob because he's been out of town to tell him that our cycle's been cancelled and we've got to do this other thing. And I'm like, and we haven't told our connect group this journey. We'd told friends, but we hadn't told our connect group for various reasons. And so I'm like, I've got to get this connect group out of here. It's 10 to 10. I've got 10 minutes of talking to do and I've got to make a big decision. So basically I had to say, hey everyone, I just need you to go. And they were all a bit like, what? Anyway, they left. We made the decision. I gave myself the certain injection that we had to do. We went on a journey of what the doctor said wouldn't work. Let me read to you from my journal. The results we got yesterday afternoon, this is the day after, because I didn't have time that night, were not at all what we wanted to hear. And I won't read that bit because that goes into some technical detail. I feel totally numb on the inside, like I have nothing left to say. But I will say this, having done all else, 
in capital letters, I will stand. I will stand. Because when there's nothing else you can do, you can always stand on this. You can always stand on this. I'm dressed for the battle. I go on to say, I'm dressed for the battle. But I feel as though I have no strength in me to pick up my sword and fight. Who would choose this? But I will stand. And it goes on. And I'm not gonna read you any more of that. Having done all else, I stand. Do you know, often the miracle you need from God isn't the one that actually happens in your circumstances. It's the one that happens in your heart because you determine on the inside of you that there is nothing left that I can do. But I have got a God who is for me, not against me. I have got a God who sees the end of my life and from the beginning. I have got a God who knows the desires of my heart. I have got, I've got a God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above, far more than I could ever hope, dream, think or imagine. And He wants to move on my behalf. My job is to dress myself for the battle. My job is to stand as weak as I felt my job was simply to stand. And we had friends that lifted our arms, that helped me hold up the sword and fight the fight that needed to be fought. My job was just to stand. And I wanna prophesy that over some of you tonight. Your job, having done all else, your job is just to dress yourself with the battle clothes and stand in the place that you need to stand. Don't run to the back. Don't run away from the fight. Stand and face the fight that you need to fight. Dress yourself for the battle and get people around you who are able to hold up your hands and maybe lift up your sword so that you can stab it where you need to stab it. Having done all else, I will stand. So we go on this journey, we go to the doctor the next day or whenever it was. We do the procedure that is not gonna work. Paid our big bucks, it was big bucks. And then 17 days later, we go in for a blood test. The doctor says, the nurse says to me, who I've had the whole time, how do you feel? I said, I'm not pregnant. Why do you say that? And I went through all the things in my body that made me sense I wasn't pregnant. She said, Alice, you just don't know. Let's do the blood test and let's see what happens. And so we went out to breakfast with friends that had been on the journey with us that were holding our arms up, that were lifting up the sword when we couldn't fight, were standing in the gap when we didn't have the words to speak. And we get a phone call from the nurse. And she says, I love my job. And I said, awesome. And because in my head, I'd prepared myself. Because you gotta get, we hadn't been waiting a year or two. We'd been waiting a long time. She said, I love my job. And I said, I heard you the first time. She said, I love making phone calls like this because I get to tell people that they're having a baby. And I'm like, what? And so photo number one, 
snippet from my journal. The wait is over. We're having a baby. And my little girl's down there. Stand up, Maya. I'll embarrass you. That's her story. You can take that down. She don't want to read the other words. We saw the miraculous hand of God right before our eyes. Every time I look in her face, I see the miraculous hand of God. Every time I watch her, I watch her in worship. I'm one of those crazed mums, and I'm sorry that I am, but unashamedly, she stands here in worship, and I can't help but sense the hand of God over her life. She was part of our fight. She proves to me every day that God is real. She proves to me every day that He's able to do what He says He's able to do. He proves to me every day that I can rely on His promises. We saw the hand of God. And then, without going into too much detail, because I'm out of time, but the story in our family, I'm one of five. And I've got an older sister who doesn't have any children. I've got an older brother who has two boys, both IVF. I've got an older sister who has two children, both IVF. I have a younger brother who has two children there from his wife's previous marriage and he's not had any more of his own. And we have one child at this time who was IVF. And we decided that our quiver was full. That's just this Christian line for people when they come and ask you, are you having another child? No, my quiver's full. <laughs> Amen, Pastor Sarah. It's full. And people are funny. You can't just have one. It's not fair. If you knew my fight, you'd be rejoicing that we had one. And so there was something on the inside of me. I'm like, we're done. We've had one. Woo. We're not going there again. I'm not doing that journey again. But there was something on the inside of me that kept fighting for this one thing. Let me tell you it. See, if you just listen to my story, everyone in my family who's got children has had to do IVF. And I'm like, I don't want that to be her story. I want that broken in the name of Jesus. And so I'd pray and I'd believe for that. And one day I thought to myself, I'll find out because she'll get married and she'll have children and we'll see what that looks like. But I'm gonna believe that that's gonna be broken over her life. And so I would pray over her. I would pray for her when she was in her bed at night. I would pray for her when I got the moment. God, I pray that this thing would be broken over her life, that she wouldn't have to carry what I had to carry. God, that I've broken that over her, that I've fought that fight that she doesn't have to fight. I don't want that to be her story. And little did I know that I've got a little girl who wants to be a sister. Little do I know she's telling her friends at school in grade two or three or whatever it was, I'm gonna be a sister. I've got mums coming to me saying, are you pregnant? I'm like, what are you talking about? Maya's telling such and such that you're having a baby. I'm not having a baby. She'd ask us, can I have a sister or a brother? Like it doesn't work like that, sweetie. And then one day, in 2014, I guess, I find out, out of the blue, that I'm 13 and a half weeks pregnant. No IVF, no drugs, but a God who wants to show Himself faithful. A God who wanted to tell me it's broken over her life. 
This little boy is a miracle. This little boy shows that in your family, that line has been demolished. There is no more to be of drugs, of IVF, of barrenness, of infertility. May I go forth when you're married and have child after child after child. When you're married and you're about 38. You see, there was a fight on the inside of me. And the only way I knew to have that fight was just to pray. But my God saw fit that at 38 years of age, I find out that I am 13 and a half weeks pregnant without even realising that I'm pregnant. When I've got mums at school coming to me saying, are you pregnant? She's believing for a brother and praying. She didn't want a sister, she wanted a brother. She gets a brother. Photo number two, let's have a look at him. This is the moment they met. Oh, just after the moment they met. She's embarrassed as. I say all this to boast on the power of God, to boast on the miraculous of God. And it's my prayer that tonight we would be stirred to build that community of miracles that Pastor Ashley has been so prophetically speaking over our congregation. That we would literally see the hand of God and the power of God move so powerfully across our churches, our campuses that we would hear story after story after story of the miraculous hand of God moving in situations, promises, things you've held on to for 30 years, that we would see them change in the Name of Jesus. Jobs, loved ones coming to know Jesus, marriages restored, barren women having children, finances, being released, provision over your family and over your life, promotions coming from the left and the right. My prayer is that we would see an onslaught of miracles as we press in to all that God wants to do. My, my prayer tonight was that it would stir you to see that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above far more than you could ever hope or imagine. My quiver was full. And then God says, here you go. Have a son. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met. I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes and my past, and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did, and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. 
He's a father. He's a friend. And you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm going to say this prayer. And wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what? Maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace and the word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey. Why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you. And we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.